0: Hello, everybody. I'm Dane Gentry. This is going to be reality part two. Hope everyone's doing well. Uh, So I'll just get right into it. So in 2012, I had uh, gotten to a program called Drug Court, and uh, my best friend was in there with me. And it was like kind of like a halfway house deal. We kind of lived in there together. On Wednesday, I was at work, and uh, he told me that that night he wanted to uh, go to this girl's house that he had been dating to get his phone back. So I was like, all right, man, we'll stop and see my mom while we're out there. And so we do, we get to my mom's and she'd been a little sick, but not nothing really bad. She didn't have nothing really major going on, but we were sitting there and and, uh, all three of us, just me, him, my mother and we're sitting there talking. And and all of a sudden it felt like an elephant sit on my chest. It was just like, I couldn't breathe for a second. I jumped up like in a panic mode and I said, come on, man, let's go. Let's go. We got to go now. And everybody's looking at me like I'm just crazy as hell. And um, I didn't want to worry my mother because she's already been worried enough throughout the life I'd been living, you know what I'm saying? So I was kind of one of them people. But anyway, so we leave, and uh, we get out in the car, and he said, bro, what's wrong with you? And I said, man, I don't know, man. That was weird. I mean, I said, I felt like an elephant sitting on my chest in there. And so we leave, and uh, we go home, whatever, next day I'm at work. And about 2.30 or so, my brother sent me a text message and said, they put mom in the hospital so i get off work and this girl i was seeing at the time she me and her go to the hospital and we get there and my mother seems to be fine i mean i don't see anything wrong with her and they've run all these tests and doctor comes in and we're talking and stuff and everything just seems to be okay you don't seem to be any problem no issues and so i leave and then it's so it's friday and um i was hanging out with my brother a little while and i saw ryan and me and him were hanging out and we were gonna go you know see these girls or whatever it was and uh, we get back home at night and he said, man, I've been thinking about doing a pill. We both were sober at the time. And I said, man, why don't you say that? You know, my mom's in the hospital, all that's going on. We got all this pressure on us. And, uh, anyway, I said, well, you know, uh, say exactly what a drug addict's going to say. Well, uh, get me one then. So I gave him some money. And so next day is Saturday. And, uh, uh, he, he had been trying he was with his ex-girlfriend they had a baby together and stuff like that and she was in a, a like a halfway house thing too and they had been trying to find some pills and couldn't find them and he comes home and i'm standing out there talking to him and uh, uh at this time i was 35 years old and i would never had done heroin in my life but he had him and his girlfriend both had, had done it before and uh um the conversation of heroin came up and he's calling just all these people and uh his mom and dad were actually on heroin, too. calls them, and just nobody will, will sell him any heroin. And he looks at me, and he says, Bro, this might be a sign from God we ought not be doing this. And his phone rung. I mean, literally, just as soon as it, the last word of that sentence come out of his mouth, his phone rung. And it was this girl, and um, she said, Yeah, I can get some. And so here we go. We go off to get it, and um, we go get this heroin. And uh, the whole time she's saying... Listen, y'all have been sober for like a year or whatever, and this is really good. And I'm like, well, I ain't never done any anyway, so I'm gonna do way less than any of y'all do. So we get it, and we do it, and it just completely rips me. I'm like, I can't even hardly hold my head up. I was like, just that close to being overdosed or whatever. And this is back before Narcan and stuff. This there was no Narcan and all that, and but it wasn't fentanyl. It was real heroin back then. But anyway, so I was like, man, you gotta take me home. And so he takes me home, and he comes in and he's like kind of like a stalling. It seemed like to me or whatever. And I said, what's up, bro. You want me to go with you? And his exact words was "No, man, I'm gonna try to get her to give me some, you know, and I said, I laughed and I said, all right, man, you know, go do your thing. Well, I'm sick. I'm throwing up. And a girl I was seeing comes over, and we're hanging out, you know, she don't know what I've done or whatever. And, uh, um, about eight thirty, he calls me and we had a nine o'clock curfew in this program. Well, about eight thirty, he calls me and. uh he says, uh, hey, man, I'm, I'm going through McDonald's drive-thru. Or excuse me, he didn't call me. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. He texted me. He texted me and said, hey, uh, I'm going to McDonald's, and uh, you want anything to eat? And I said, man, I'm still sick from that stuff today, but go ahead and get it, and I'll be able to eat it later. Well, 9 o'clock comes, and he's still not there. And uh, I'm like, that's just very unlike him, you know, because he was doing good. We were doing good. He was getting his son back. I mean, so many positive things was going on. Well, I wait for about, to about 9.15, and, um, the girl I seen, her name was JJ, she's like, you should call him, or whatever, and so I call him, ring, ring, ring to voicemail, and I'm like, hmm, so I call right back, and it goes straight to voicemail, and from that point on, this phone went straight to voicemail, but something inside of me says, I know what it is, well, all night, no word from him, nobody's seen him, nobody's heard from him, and, um, the next day, about one o'clock, I guess, one thirty, I think it was, um, his mother calls me and she's crying and she said, I've lost my baby. Uh, they found him in this car dead with the needle still in his arm on I 65 and Harding place at a little store there. He'd been there all night long. And so no one knows really, you know, that anything about that day, but me, him and his girlfriend, well, all these drug court people come over there and these people were very shitty the Williamson County drug court in Franklin, Tennessee, these people were the shittiest people I've ever met in my life. There was one guy named David G. He was supposed to be this kind of, some kind of pastor over this church. And this dude was the evilest man I've ever met in my life. I mean, it was just a very, very big shit show. It's all about money. I mean, that's what, uh, Williamson County is. And so anyway, um, they come over there and immediately they're like, they're trying to blame me. Like I, like I had something to do with this or whatever. And, uh, um I didn't you know I didn't have anything to do with that part of it uh anyway so of course I don't say anything about what went on you know during the day and uh his, his girlfriend Brandy is calling me and we both are just like dumbfounded you know what I mean what's going on so um a couple of days so now okay so now I go to the hospital and remember my mother's in the hospital so on this Sunday I go up there I go up there with another girl and that I was kind of seeing too or whatever and uh Um, I'm in there and and I go to tell my mother, but, but at this time, all of a sudden they've got like 16 bags of fluid running through my mother and she's laid all the way flat down in the bed. And, and now all of a sudden I had to have gloves on to go in there and it just like, what is, you know, I'm going, what the fuck is going on? And so, uh, I'm in there and I'm looking at her and a tear runs out of the corner of my eye and she's, you know. What's wrong, she wants to sit up, so I start raising her bed up, and they come in there, oh, no, 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 you can't raise her bed up, can't do that, can't do that. So I'm like, well, what's the deal, you know, uh, whatever, and I tell her, you know what I mean, I tell her Ryan's gone, and she don't even comment on it, man, it's almost as if she knew kind of thing. Well, time passes on, and a couple of days ago or whatever, and uh, the fluid was caused my mother to swell up, so me and my brother, uh, she's, we stayed in the hospital all night long, and then uh, my mother's best friend, who used to be married to my uncle, she was my aunt, my Aunt June. She came, and uh, and she sees my mother, how bad she's swollen, and she's like, you know, y'all got to stop this. So I, I go out there, and um I'm like, I want to see a doctor. And you know how, how hospitals are, and they were like, whatever And not. So I was kind of to the point, I want to see a fucking doctor, and I want to see a doctor now. I want the truth. What is it? And so the doctor comes in there and says, no matter what, pretty much what you see is what you get. And so... um she was gone. She had gotten an infection, some kind of infection. She got this infection in that hospital. I know this without a doubt. She was fine when she went there. There was nothing wrong with her, and she got it there. Um, anywho, so um, what I'm getting at here is that back to me sitting there with Ryan and my mother that night and an elephant sitting on my chest. One week later, both of those people I was sitting there with were gone. They were dead. Um, so there's something to that. I don't, I don't know if God was trying to warn me, but remember the statement that Ryan made. Hey, bro, I believe this is God's way of trying not to do this. These are the things that happens when we don't listen to God. and We don't listen to that voice or don't listen to your gut. Whatever you want to call it, at the end of the day, it's God. It's not us. It's, it's God. So on uh, Thursday, uh, I go in to drug court. They call me in for a drug test. And I go in there, and they say that I failed for Suboxone. I'd never done no Suboxone. You remember, I'd done heroin on Saturday. And that was it. I threw the, I had some heroin left and Sunday when he died, I flushed it down the toilet. I didn't even do the rest of it. Um, and so their drug court's like, we're going to put you in jail. Now he's, his funeral's on Friday. My mother's is on Saturday and this is on Thursday. And these shitty ass people are putting me in jail for no reason. Um, and then, so on Friday they come up there. They, they take me, to put me in jail on Friday. They take me to medical, make me strip down naked. And the female nurse is taking a magnifying glass and looking at every inch of my body, between my toes, between my my fingers, between my nutsack and my, you know, I mean just all this, and um, looking for needle marks, you're not gonna find one. You know, there's there was no needle mark, and so now these drug court people come and see me, and so it's three of them. It's just another very shitty woman named Marianne, David G, and I, I wish I could remember the other guy's name. He was supposed to be like the whatever, and he was a piece of shit too. But anyway, um. I'm sitting in there, and they're like, "Well, we have it on camera with Metro that you got out of Ryan's car and left him there dead." And I said, "You're a fucking liar," and so we, I get very heated behind that because they're lying. That's just a bold-faced fucking lie. They were trying to find someone to blame for it. You should have been paying more attention to us than what y'all were, or whatever. No, listen, I don't mean, No, that's not true. We're drug addicts, and so shit. You know, these things happen. Well, anyway. So they tell me I'm not going to Ryan's funeral. That I'm not going to get to go to my mother's funeral anyway. So I get not walk out and leave. I go back to the back to my cell. And um, about four hours later, by the time Ryan, right after Ryan's funeral is over with, this guard comes back there and tells me that drug court wants to see me. In my exact words, I said, you tell drug court suck this big old. Anyway, sorry for that. Uh, anyway, that's exactly what I said. I'm just being honest. And he said, well, they're going to give you a furlough. And I said, well, hold on. I'm going to go talk to him. And furlough means they're going to let me out of jail to go to my mother's funeral. So I go in there, and it's this woman, Marianne, and it's another woman with her by the name of Zandi. Zandi was amazing. She should have been running the show. She was from, I think, New Zealand or something like that, and she really cared about the addicts. The Other people were just in it for the money. That's all it was. And so they tell me that this woman, Marianne, now, this is her exact words to me. I don't know why, but I can't remember the guy's name, and the judge have decided to give you a furlough. You don't deserve a furlough. You don't deserve to go to your mama's funeral. You know what grace is, Dane? You're getting a whole lot of grace that I don't think you deserve. Now, this woman, I'm going to say this, too, was a married woman probably in her late 50s, and she had a, a very constant problem of crossing and uncrossing her legs and showing me her whatever, but I would never um, even act as if I saw it. So that's why she didn't like me, because I wasn't uh, in tune with her advances. Um, she was a very, very friendly woman. And so... um, uh, they tell me they're going to give me a six hour furlough on Saturday to go to my mother's funeral. And so, um, uh, my brother comes and gets me and he's pissed as he should be. You know I mean? Here it is, man. My mother's, and I'm in jail again, you know, again, here you are. And he's pissed at me, man. And, and again, you know, he's justified in it. And so I decided that when him six hours is up, I was not going to jail. And so, uh, I made other arrangements and, um, uh, The next day, well, that night I'm trying to, you know, I figured they were going to be looking for me pretty fast. And uh, so I go in this place and I'm hiding and I'm waiting on someone to come pick me up and a state trooper pulls in there. And I'm like, there's no way anyone ever seen me, you know, who would have seen me do this and call the cops. That wasn't what it was. The cop just had to take a piss, but I was there thinking, please don't come over and piss on me. (laughs) And uh, He didn't or whatever. And so I got picked up and, um, uh, the next day I was in, um, new Orleans, Louisiana. And, um, that town just wasn't for me. I could feel the evil in it. It just felt uneasy for me. Um, and then the, the word Tucson, Arizona came up and I said, that's where I'm going. And so we drove from Slidell, Louisiana, to Tucson, Arizona. I left at 11 o'clock from Slidell and I got to Tucson, Arizona next morning at nine, which had been about 24 hours. There's two hour change and I never stopped, man. I stopped for coffee. And that was it. But the guy that took me, I'd done all the driving. He was an alcoholic, a very bad alcoholic. And we're in Mississippi. You got to remember now, man, I've got a warrant on me for escape now. And so it's just serious. You know, the U S marshals are going to be looking for me. Well, this dude, I go in the store to get a cup of coffee and this dude sitting out there pouring a beer in a cup and a cop sees him. And he's, see, he was just one of them people. He just all the time bringing attention from the cops or whatever. So, um, I go to Tucson, Arizona and, um, on the way out there I said man I'm gonna meet me a woman out here and all these different things and I did pretty quickly uh, I met a, a, a woman and uh she's a very very good young woman man um she'd had life like a lot of us do and she had a couple amazing kids and uh, just her whole family just just loved me until they found out that I was wanted by U.S. Marshals and I get arrested but so I'm out there for a while or whatever and that dude that took me out there he had a uh, court date to go to in louisiana and he don't go and so um he has a warrant on him for that or whatever and um they the job that we went we went out there for a job for hanging wallpaper that's what it was commercial wallpaper there's a lot of money in that shit man I and mean, more than i would have thought but anyway um i start kind of doing my own thing because you know i was gonna start this relationship with michelle and um, I knew I wasn't leaving when the job was over. I was staying there. I wasn't going back to Tennessee. You know, I, I made I, I made it, man. I, I got away, you know. But the thing was is that in Tucson's a border town, there's more drugs and, you, you know, whatever, and I started smoking heroin. But think about that for a second, man. My first experience with heroin was, you know, what it did to me, and then that night it killed my best friend. And uh, you would think, man, you know, that'd be enough, but an addict is an addict, man. You don't think about any of that. You think about it every now and then. But it's just like, oh well, I remember what the buzz was like. I remember what it felt like. And so, you know, you want to do it. Um, anyway, so um the job's over with and he and he goes to leave or whatever. And um, this is on a Monday. Well, on Tuesday night, we're in, I'm at this apartment complex with this dude and uh, his old lady and stuff, and this dude's sitting up in it's like three story complex. This dude's sitting up there and he's smoking like some weed. And I'm just kind of walking around, man, trying to get my thoughts right. I do that a lot. I kind of pace or whatever. And, um, uh, he calls me up there and this dude starts talking to me and he's sitting there telling me my story. And it's like, hold up, man. You know, and I'm thinking, am I going crazy here or what is this? And so, um, the very next morning, um, I'm texting with Michelle and she's fixing to come and get me. You know, I couldn't be at home now because I was just strung out on heroin. So I was staying over here in these apartments or whatever. And, uh, she goes about an hour, not texting me, and it's very unusual. But at the time, I, I was sick or whatever, needing the drug, and I wasn't really thinking about that part. Well, I'm sitting out on, like, the front part of the apartment complex, and out of my peripheral vision, I see people coming at me from both ways. And as I look up at U.S. Marshals, and they are serious. They've got the guns drawn down on me, and their exact words, get on the fucking ground, or I'll blow your fucking brains out. And I so I obliged, and I got on the ground. Um, And I go to jail. And so, you know, I'm like, man, how did this happen or whatever? Well, that piece of shit that took me out there gets arrested in Arkansas. And so to get out of it, he tells them, well, I know where at the time, I think I was number two on Tennessee's most wanted list. Yeah. I was just you no know, petty criminal. Anyway, whatever. Um, and so to get out of his trouble, he tells on me, this dude is a family member of mine, uh, you know, by marriage, but still he's a family member of mine. And, um, what had happened was he he got arrested, and he knew Michelle's phone number, and so he he gives it to the cops. Well, they know her address. I'm finding all this out after well I go years, I go years and don't know what went on. I don't know you know how they caught me or whatever, and I used to always talk to Michelle about it, and she would never say, but finally one night she told me she said. If I tell you something, you promise you won't hate me. And I knew right then, I just dropped my head. And I'm like, man, I can't believe it. You know? and I want to hang up the phone. But I said, uh, go ahead and tell me. She said, that morning, the U.S. Marshals came to my house, had my grandmother on the ground, and me on the ground, and were threatening me, said they were going to take my kids or whatever. And so she led them straight to where I was at. But she did give me a warning. I will say this. She did warn me, but I didn't catch it. Um, but she did warn me to leave that I needed to leave and get out of there. And, uh, I didn't catch it. So, you know, she didn't know what to do and there's no fault on her. You know, she wasn't a criminal man and they were threatening to take her children. She done not she was supposed to do in my opinion, looking back on it. Was I pissed off? Yeah. But anyway, so what had happened was the guy got arrested in Arkansas. He gave them her number and that's how they come to her house. Um, this woman, Michelle, I'm talking about is now passed away. Um, she got cancer. Um, and, and passed away, um, very quickly. Um, God definitely needed Angel, and, and there, there she was, and she was a good person, man. She really was, and, um, I think about that kind of stuff a lot, you know, um, it's a very sad situation, but the point to all, everything I'm making is the power of the drug, man. I mean, look, look what all that done, and, you know, it took my friend out, and here I go out here, and I'm strung out, and, so now I go to jail, and, by all accounts I'm supposed to be getting a whole lot of time and believe it or not the escape itself turned out and helped me out, man. Um, but I I got real big with God then too. Um, and I was getting very spiritual. This was kind of the start of my spiritual walk with God. And, um, um, that guy who, who did that, um, yeah, man, I had a lot of animosity towards him. Um, I wanted to beat him up, man, you know, and, uh, um, I didn't. And so I said to myself, you know, he contacted me on Facebook about. oh, he contacted Michelle also and called her when I'm in jail and said, uh, want to know where I was at. And she said, he's in jail. And he said, can you elaborate? Yes, we can elaborate. And she, she said from the get go, you know what I mean? That he'd done it, but I just couldn't, he didn't know where she lived at. And that was, I couldn't figure it out. It's just a part of the phone number was slipping my mind or whatever well anyway so i contacted him on facebook and i said hey man you know we should meet up and of course he ignored that so finally i just asked him i just said i said it just like yes yeah, so tell me what your bitch ass got for turning me in and he blocked me and i haven't heard from him since but you know who's right and who's wrong in that situation um he's wrong you know what i mean you should have just went on and done what's coming to you man uh you broke the law you were in trouble you didn't go to court all on your own but the reason he didn't go to court was because he was smoking ice and he was so paranoid he's balled up in a corner over here he couldn't we were hanging out with these girls one night and the girls whatever And he's over here balled up in a corner like a little girl all freaked out i don't know why people do that drug if it's gonna do them that way but he's one of them people and he used to smoke crack right years ago and there's another story I think I'll wait for a reality part three for that guy, and that's what we'll do. I'll tell you some really funny stories about this guy. His name is Bruce, and um, he's just a real piece of shit, but I've been a real piece of shit too, but he was above and beyond a piece of shit. um, And so, anyway, and so I, back to, you know, I I go to jail, and I'm supposed to be getting all this time, and I end up with less time, actually. It all worked out a way to where... Um, just the way all these things happened, like um, you know, when you go up for parole, you get put off, and I knew I was going to, but I'd went up for parole on a smaller sentence before the big sentence took effect, and so I actually ended up being able to go back up for parole a lot sooner, um, and I got out a lot quicker, um, so yeah, you know, the moral of the story is this, man. When you look at a drug addict and think. Why, man, why? You know, you love your dope more than you do me. It's not true. The dope just has more of a control. It controls them more. And it always will until you get off of it and you get clean. Um, That's what we have to do. So if you're struggling, as I say on every show, reach out. podcast at gmail.com. Reach out. You know, and and there's people, man, who's trying to stop my story on here, just so everyone knows as well. Uh, But they can't. When they, you have a, a pure, true, honest message, they can't stop me. So I'll continue doing what I'm doing. I'll continue bringing these little recordings. Seems to be what my audience is wanting. Uh, my my recordings on reality done better than anything else. So this will be reality part two, and reality part three will come next. Thank y'all. God bless, and I love y'all.